Can we turn the heat down in here? <laughs> it is like <laughs> boiling. I, actually, there's no heat on. I told, I told you you leave stronger. <laughs> no, it's not. Y'all like it's literally hot in here. Do you, do you know how many people can't stand Kristen? I mean, once, once you get past her, you're, you're doing good. Yeah. <laughs> um. The following program contains coarse language and nudity. Discretion is advised. Hey there, folks. This is Kristen Williams with another Trans Advocate podcast. And today we have the regular podcast crew plus one, which is... Mm, Robin Matt. And Alexis. And who the hell are you? Uh, my name's <laughs> Nick Hellyer. And, and, and what do you do? I am running for Houston City Council District. Politician. <laughs> <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. Finish. <laughs> I'm not a politician. <laughs> oh, oh, sure. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> No, it was been the whole day. <laughs> I'm, uh, I am. You're, you're going to leave here stronger. Yeah, I have uh, <laughs> put my name on a ballot for November 5th in, in hopes that people, more people will pull the lever for my name than other people. But I don't, I don't well, think Wait, wait, wait. So, so you're running for city council. Yes. And district C. Yes. Why would anyone want to be on city council? <laughs> funny, funny you should ask that because every single C- city council of what city? Houston, Texas. Okay. Um, gotcha. Even a bigger question. Every. Why would anyone want to yeah. be on Houston <laughs> city council? How long does that go for? Uh, the terms. Yeah. They are uh, four-year terms, Ooh. and you can serve a max of two, so eight, usually eight years. I think there's only been two incumbents that have ever lost. Uh, out without serving out the full term so um like i said that goes back to the obviously no one would want to be yeah houston city council but you never finish so why why yeah yeah it's it's (laughs) funny it's funny because every single political former elected uh that i speak to looks at me and in this weird face and says what are you doing why do you want to do this now um so i started in politics about 12 years ago running Mm. for uh, or running campaigns for a district council race in District I on the east side of Houston. And uh, it gave me a taste of how important just everyday stuff is in people's lives that mm-hmm. you can fix at City Hall. Um, so it gave me kind of a passion for city government. And I worked in constituent services. So daily I would deal with um, overgrown lots and uh, stop signs that people wanted to be, be put a, a few of those in Houston. Yes, with there's, all a, there's the lots of them. <laughs> so, so you, uh, Robin might want to talk to you about an overgrown lot. But... I have an overgrown lot, <laughs> but you can... right next to me. I do my civic duty and call on it. It's still growing. <laughs> but, uh, all my but, neighbors but, gave up on it. <laughs> but, but it's in District C, so if you win, it can be if, yours. You can kick it yeah. down the line. We'll Wait, send... are you C or D? C. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, you, okay. So, anyways, that kind of stuff makes a huge difference in people's sure. different lives, and and absolutely. Uh, um, I think that there's a lot of big things going on in the world, and when you can make a little difference, uh, do what you're good at. That's what I've been told. Mm-hmm. So, what, is this a like citywide, or is it just a little slice of the city that you're hoping to re- represent? It's just a little slice uh, of the city. There are. Um, uh, five at-large council members, so they represent the entire city, mm-hmm. and then there's uh, districts that go uh, A through JK, A through K. Okay. So I'm running and for District C. So where is District C? District C runs uh, through southwest Houston, uh, an area called Meyerland, 
uh, up north uh, through Rice uh, University, mm. through Montrose, um, and through the Heights, and then into Northwest. So Harris it sort of County. gerrymandered as a circle around, not quite downtown, but just west of downtown. Yes. A sort of backwards crescent. Yeah. The, okay. prog- the progressive crescent, they call it. A progressive crescent. Yes. Wonderful. Uh-huh. <laughs> Does this go through near Northside? Uh, no, it does not. <laughs> it um, just dances yeah, right around it, it my does. neighborhood. It's so, <laughs> stu- if, you, if you look at a map of Houston, Montrose and Studewood is the dividing line. Okay, so, that right, makes sense. Yeah, east of it would be District H. Okay, there's a lot of flooding on that side. Yes, there is. There's yeah. a lot, well, there's a lot, there's three bayous that run through District C, mm-hmm. um, three watersheds, and so the biggest issue right now is flooding. Sure, sure. So what's so, the second biggest issue? Um, it depends who you talk to and what part of town you're interested in no no or, i'm asking you what your second what, my, biggest well, issue I, <laughs> I, mean, I, I thought you weren't a politician not, and here we go i'm not running political. for me so my my second issue may not be everybody else's but there are but five whose name is on the ballot you <laughs> <laughs> um, gotta step up somewhere in that somewhere, there's five somewhere. uh there's five distinct um areas in the district and they all have kind of their own stuff but so which I, I one would, are you going to represent i would say um <laughs> they're the always the three major issues are going to be uh public safety uh transit and transportation um and then uh flooding in houston right now so what about equality and those sorts of things um in this district this is probably the only district in the entire harris county houston metro area that's um uh, our community can point to and say um, somebody from our community can win this every single time it comes up. So uh-huh. it's the Montrose is the heart, traditional heart of the community in Houston, and it's smack in the middle of District C. So you identify as a furry, correct? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. No, I, I'm he's just sorry. coming out all over the place. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, you you were saying politician. You were just just checking out your tail on the way up. Oh my god. No, no. Uh, No, 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 no. no. Okay, so um, you're from the community. Can you talk about what community? Yes, exactly. Because there's a lot of different communities around here. Um, I grew up uh, just so I went to Lanier Middle School, which is right in the middle of of Montrose. So. We were kind of, um, you know, I was younger. I was a gay kid growing up in Houston. and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, But all around me, I could see, you know, people that were like me. Um, uh-huh. So it was a great place to grow up. And um, you're a millennial? I am, uh, We just found out I am. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, 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 so let's say you're... Out gay millennial. Yes. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I don't know. Uh, I gotta think about that. <laughs> I hope I can count on your vote. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you grew up in in this area. Yes. Um. You that you said that you were born, uh, eighty one. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, God, I remember that year. Uh, I, I am, I am like a fine I, wine. I'm a Gen Xer, which means Weird. that I, I don't care about anything. I just want to watch the world burn. So, <laughs> so go on. Tell Starting me about with politicians. Engagement. Um, I started helping Tough out <laughs> when I, uh, when I started in politics in 2006, uh-huh. um, obviously everybody kind of looks for their people their tribe mm-hmm, whatever you mm-hmm. know democrat republican sure. whoever you are mm-hmm. there's always little groups or tribes inside of um 
every movement. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. So I ended up doing a lot of work with the Houston GLBT political caucus. Oh. Um, mm -hmm. And I was extremely lucky to have, at that time there were, uh, Anise Parker um, was the city controller and mm -hmm. Sue Lovell was an out uh, gay woman on um, city council. So I was lucky that I had uh, political mentors to look up to um, and they told me how I should act and why I should be respectful and what we were fighting for and where we came mm -hmm. from and why it was important uh, to kind of do what we do. And um, that's another reason why I'm running is because I don't uh, I don't feel like uh, a lot of younger people um, have that today mm -hmm. uh, in our community, in the gay community, um, uh, in all of our communities. So uh, I kind of want to be somebody that, you know, I, if I did something wrong, I would have a council member smack me upside the head and say, you know, that's not how we act or that's not what you do. And it really taught me a lot about um, how to be uh, a good, just a good person, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, so, so uh, you actually sort of know what the city does. Yes, that's important when you're running for city council, <laughs> which uh, apparently not. Sure. <laughs> well, it's important, but not yet a requirement. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. So I worked at city hall for a while, so I know kind of the mm -hmm. inner workings of what goes on down there mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and are you supported by any of the other groups like victory fund or uh new leaders council or any labor people not yet it's it's really early um they we used to have two-year terms um three two-year terms and we've switched to four-year terms so um everybody's kind of used to starting really late in the season we used to start in february but you know i started in july last year so uh, most of the groups do not endorse until mm -hmm. Um, much later in the race. I know that uh, the caucus, the political caucus here, uh, GLBT political caucus, uh, doesn't endorse until August. Victory Fund is probably going to choose in March. Uh, Labor will wait for the, the filing deadlines in August. So Okay, so you don't even know all of who's running against you yet. I think the field is pretty much set. Okay. Uh, if you're not... Yeah, there's a pretty good selection running. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you can go from people that love roses... <laughs> Aww. Aww. Well, that tells you, you a throw little. Shade. That Aww. tells you something. No, no. No. I, I happen to like this person. I'm Those not going to mention names. You all can figure it out. Very dedicated if you're and, a part of the Rose Group. It's yeah. very important. There you go. Do you know what it takes to grow something in Houston? <laughs> yes. I mean, they know a thing about our city. Actually, roses are indigenous weeds in Houston, so it doesn't yeah. take much to grow roses. Well, I didn't say I was a part of the club. I just said it takes something to be a part of that club. I didn't say they let me in. You know, I could go down the, the list, but I'll just leave it there. <laughs> I think you have, what, five opponents? What? There are six people running right now, yeah. yes. Wow. I love how you're like, that's pretty set. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I mean, normally, if you know, in an at-large race, it's there's, you know, somewhere's up of, upwards of 12 people running. So oh. I'm assuming there will be one or two more. But <laughs> if you were a serious candidate running for you, office, you would have already yeah, yeah. you've got to get the support early and the money early and get your team together. That's true. and get your strategy down and if you jump yeah. in in july or august mm -hmm. it's pretty much too late yeah. to do that and everybody's picked a lane 
So yeah, you I was going to say the, the, one, the one lane that doesn't seem to be filled in District C is the sort of extreme right, and there's probably a oh, reason. Oh, there is. There is. There is. We, there are anti-vaxxers out there, and we have an anti- oh, We have an anti- fantastic. Those are, those we have an anti-rail person. Yeah, let, them so. inter- let her interview oh, them. Really? Yeah. She'll interview them. Right. <laughs> Just sneeze on them a lot. <laughs> no, so, yeah, nationally there's anti-vaxxers. We have an anti-rail person, which is kind of... Similar. Back to your SARS well, coffee. But, <laughs> but, you know, she was until you. very recently, <sighs> there were federal regulations that controlled some of our rail, shall we yes. say. Thank you, Congresswoman Fletcher, for yes, changing for, that. For getting that out <clears throat> of there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was like a long history of mm. problems with doing rail in Houston. So, it, it's interestingly, I, I, had, uh, I was going through some of my grandmother's stuff, kind of cleaning her house, and found this magazine from, God, maybe the 50s, 40s or something. It was a Texaco ad, and it was about how Houston is so progressive. They were ripping up their trolley yes. stuff and, <laughs> and their rail lines and everything and to go laying down Texaco brand asphalt mm. over everything. And now we're doing the opposite. Interesting. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, but you, you to know, go back to rail. I mean, that, that's like with L.A. I mean, the, the reason they tore up all of their rail was because the politicians were paid off by, oh, I think it was Goodyear and Firestone. <laughs> And so, basically, they started buying tires instead. <laughs> Imagine that. And so, I heard that uh, Houston was going to survey the city to put underground tunnels in for flooding to see I if that'll that work yesterday. or if that'll that help. So, I don't know if that'll help. There is a professor at Rice that um, talked about that in the Chronicle yesterday. Do they think it will or he no? He thought that it is uh, worth looking into but doesn't think it's very feasible. But mm-hmm. at this point, let's look at it with the an open mind and just whatever. Right. right? Yeah, so, my, I mean, my personal opinion is that it's very feasible. In fact, I was, I suggested that to city council and the, um, commissioner's court probably 12 years ago or something that we start looking at when we're redoing freeway, doing big tunnels underneath mm-hmm. and we can use them for two things. Number one, processing pollution and then getting rid of water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, well, pollution, there's... we don't have any of that. <laughs> well, there's, I think. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm having uh, an asthma attack. Right. I'm yeah. not sick, it's just sinuses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This it, is it, just regular breathing <laughs> in Houston. Uh, so I the think... wind's blowing out of the east. <laughs> yeah. I think the county's got something like $380,000, mostly in federal funds to look at that issue. So right. right. They were going to get some federal funds. Yeah. So, what part of town do you live in? <laughs> I live in the Greenway Plaza area, which oh, okay. is... okay, so you're sort of in the district, sort of on... Right in the middle, smack dab in, in the middle. Edge of Montrose, that yes, sort of thing? on the edge of Montrose. And typically the people that have been doing District C have been, like, from Montrose area? Where, where... No, so Montrose, is, uh, Montrose the, uh, has never been represented by uh, somebody from our community on district council. It's a, it's kind of an interesting story. Um, somebody in our community continued to run against a former district C council member in the nineties. And when they did redistricting last time, Montrose ended up in district D, which is a predominantly African American community. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it was 15% of district D. So it was, it could never actually elect somebody from, right. I uh, remember when they were cracking this area. And then, uh, when Anise Parker was mayor in the last redistricting of the city, because they Mm -hmm. had to add in two new council districts, 
Montrose was put back into District C. So mm -hmm. this is uh, the first time that we can really point to this district and say we can win that right. um, part of town. So uh, I, I think it's important for our community that we have a place to look at every time that, oh, you know, we should have a candidate every time. Uh, you know, a qualified candidate to run to run in that district. So, uh, and and the elected officials I were talking about earlier, they were at large council members. So mm -hmm. they were, you know, there's been uh, Anise Parker and Sue Level, but they were at large right. council members. So mm -hmm. they represented the entire city, not specifically the needs and the values of uh, obviously the values, but the need, specific needs of of Montrose as a whole. Um, they never actually, um, you know, they weren't the district council members, so they didn't right. focus on them. Right, and and uh, Anise was the comptroller for mm -hmm. quite some time. She did six years as an at-large council member, six years as a controller, and then six years as mayor. Right, right, right. Okay, it would be six, six, six. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just pointing this out. <laughs> it's back to Ed the numbers. Young, he's listening to this. And he's like <laughs> scribbling down. Oh, <laughs> this is good material. <laughs> and we so, won't we won't talk about how many supporters you had on your sort of like announcement <laughs> meeting. You know, start your campaign because the 69 people might take wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we weren't going to talk about that. Never mind. So okay, so you're you're from this district, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, uh, from this community, and you want to, you know, for the first time run and represent uh, this community uh, as being a member of this community. Yeah, it's. I think it's important that each community kind of have their champion and their voice. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, the council members we've had from District C haven't been. Uh, they haven't been against our community. So, um, uh -huh. but it's important that, like I said, we have a seat at the table so um, that we are actually things that are important to us aren't, you know, brought to the council member and said, this is important to us. They're mm -hmm. actually championed, you know, as something that's important to the actual council member. Uh, there is a um, pocket park that's going to have um, uh, an HIV uh, AIDS memorial. That's going up. Um, I would really like to see um, some sort of uh, museum, uh, LGBTQ community museum, where we can actually go and have something tangible and have talks mm -hmm. and talk about the history. Mm -hmm. I think it's extremely important that younger people uh, in the community understand what happened in sure. the uh, 80s and 90s in the AIDS crisis. I think we came up just after it happened that we as in millennials um and it it was always a part of the community but mm -hmm. it never was horrifying well, like some of the stories that i've heard well, so it, i think it's important that we teach a uh, younger uh generation what happened yeah one of the problems with that is that an awful lot of the people who had first-hand experience aren't here anymore That's yeah right. and it's important to capture that information uh now mm -hmm. before it's mm -hmm. too late i agree I know Alexis kind of prodded you a little bit, and we heard basically two issues. You you talked about flooding. Um, what are your like top things that you really want to push uh, if you be, do become a council member? Uh, most importantly, is just being present in the community um, and being speedy with constituent services. Going back to uh, just little issues make such a big difference mm -hmm. in people's lives. Mm -hmm. So when you 
have a burst pipe and you get an $800 water bill or something, mm -hmm. just knowing that you can call your local representative and they'll get it taken care of. So constituent services uh, is going to be top on the list. Uh, that's what I did at City Hall. Um, so that'll be important. And then just being present in the communities. Um, when you have something like Harvey happen in the city, I think people want to see their representatives out there and just know sure. that they've got their back. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily saying I have wonderful, uh, amazing ideas that are going to fix flooding because obviously it's a huge issue mm -hmm. and uh, it's going to take a, a lot of different things to help mitigate flooding in Houston. But um, just being present and uh, having an open mind, like we're talking about with these issues, let's think of new issues and mm -hmm. uh, ways that we can help with flooding and that's not just the same old thing that we hear over and over and there's not a lot of vision or youth at city hall right now so i hope to bring some hmm. of that well you know if, if i look at it the mayor has famously said recently that every pothole that's been reported has been fixed um it's amazing how driving down the street i'm thrown from one side to the other <laughs> by all those fixed potholes <laughs> You know, I, I, I mean, I happen to know that you like bicycles and you like bike riding. Um, you better have a mountain bike for most of our streets. I don't know why you hate bikes, but when you're just... I haven't admitted to hating bikes, just no. the people that ride them. There, uh, There's things that you can do now. So, there, you know, that's kind of an antiquated way to do it, to say that... <clears throat> People have to report potholes and then we'll fix them. Well, how about we figure out where the potholes are before people have to report it? There's, mm -hmm. right. you know, before they've had like a lot of damage well, to their exactly. car well, there's, and decided there's, to take it upon themselves to call cities, the city. There's cities now that have what, you know, every single day trash pickup is done, right? So why not put some sort of sensors on your trucks and city vehicles that are driving these streets every day that will tell you where the potholes are. Well, um, it, and it, you can be proactive and get them fixed sooner rather than later and save the city money. And part of the problem is that they aren't technically potholes. Yes. What they are is uneven streets because of mm -hmm. all the construction mm -hmm. that's cut the into the street and then you know you have a two inch drop and a two inch rise mm -hmm. and they're like well the average is just one yep. inch so it's all okay. Well <laughs> it throws cars all over the road. It throws everything else all over the road. So let's, yeah, let's use a little technology to figure out some, some new stuff. Yeah, the, but the Houston, thing, Houston is not known for its smooth, uh, smooth commutes, is it? Uh, commutes can be very smooth as long as they aren't very long. <laughs> <laughs> and if you like water, you know, a so, few times a year. So our, our, you know, this is a, the trans advocate podcast. And so we kind of focus on issues of gender um, and they're, our listeners are cis, trans, intersex, and all over the trans spectrum. And people that hate us. Uh, and yes, no. yes. Hi. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hi, haters. <laughs> yes, they're probably our most attentive listeners. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about your work in equality uh, and what that's looked like over your lifetime and... Uh, can you talk a little bit about how um, how inequality has affected your life, the lives of your people you care about, um, and what was it like for you uh, during this hero, uh, how, how things turned out with hero? What was that like for you? Um, 
I think that I got lucky because I grew up in central Houston and I didn't face a lot of, you know, there's the kids in school that, mm-hmm. you know, call you a sissy and call you a girl and that kind of stuff. But I never faced real backlash mm-hmm. um, until I saw the hatred that came out in Hero when it was mm-hmm. on the ballot. So um, I think that. And also Alexis can speak to this. There used to just be the gay community and then it was the gay and lesbian community. Mm -hmm. As long as I've been out or known what I was, Mm -hmm. um, the trans community's always been part of the gay community in my eyes. So Mm -hmm. there's never been sort of a differentiating uh, line um, for for me. Um, And I think that's great. I think it's great for young kids uh, that never had to kind of make that that decision or that mm-hmm. differentiation, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's always just kind of been there. So I got lucky where I grew up um, uh, here in central Houston. And, you know, most people think of Texas as the deep south and, you know, people riding cowboys. But um, <laughs> literally, that was, a gay, that was a gay comment. Yeah, exactly. Um, so if you especially if you saw the uh, the mural on uh, Mary's on the side oh, of Mary's, it was Mary's a lot of that. Mural. But uh, yeah, so I got lucky where I grew up. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, uh, and for folks who don't know, uh, HERO was the Houston Equal Rights Ordinance that was passed um, and then uh, revoked on the trope that if trans people have equal rights, then men will be able to hang out in the women's restroom and do nefarious things, which happens to be the exact same argument they rolled out against the Equal Rights Amendment back in the 70s. Uh, so, you know. They've used it against trans people, women, black. Black people. Every, you know, group gay around. Gay people in the it's, army. Yeah. Yeah. It's everything. like, you know, panic everybody because of the restroom thing, which is all bullshit. Yes. And it kind of was at around the same time. What was the proposition in California for marriage? Was it Prop 2? It was kind uh, of. Prop 8. Prop 8, yes. Yeah. So, prop 8, you know, and that was in 2008, 9, something like that. It was around the time when we were losing all of those elections. And you're going, well, if marriage can't pass in California, are we ever going to get right. there? And, and Houston was a huge defeat. So it was passed by council and then. Uh, revoked by referendum by a vote of of the people and mm-hmm. um that, that and was, it was a very low turnout election it was uh, well and and virtually everything that was done you know from the people who wanted to defeat it were lies i mean that, that's yes, the real yes. problem mm-hmm. uh, and it, it it's quite interesting that some theoretically well-known equality groups are now partnering with the people who publish those lies huh who would that be? Oh, I'll just say that and let people look it up. Hmm. I think on the Trans Advocate, we might have an article I, I about that. I think it that. might be there. <laughs> <laughs> so people can look that up for themselves. And, and you know, <clears throat> this was one of the Baptist Ministers groups, and recently the Chronicle has certainly taken them on for a bunch of other things, oh, too. Yeah. The, yeah, the Baptist <laughs> Ministers group with, with that has all sorts of pedophiles in them. And, you know... Even According with to the Hero, that they had uh, Pastor Baker, who was their uh, spokesperson 
for Against Hero. No men in women's bathrooms. No boys and girls showers or locker rooms. I'm Reverend Kendall Baker. The bathroom ordinance is shameful. It will allow men to freely walk into places where women are most vulnerable and violate their privacy. Reverend Will Reed recently cut a radio commercial supporting this sickening ordinance. Let me be very clear about this. A real minister stands up for the safety of women. And uh, he was fired from the city for sexually harassing women who are working for him. And, uh, you know, he's the guy who went on the radio and talked about how trans people are predators. So, you know, yeah. I, you know, I, I and, think and that's, the, that, that, those people, they're, they're like projection machines. Exactly. At the time, I'm Democracy like... Democracy knows no bounds. Well, and, and the biggest thing is that since they do it, they think everybody else does. I think, that, exactly. You know, it's, it's I, like, exactly. You know, I'm a predator, so everybody else must be a predator, so that's what I'm mm-hmm. going to go with. I mean, I'm, I'm convinced, because that's the only place it could come so, from. So, Alexis, you, were, you came up with this novel idea uh, about a political fix for both some revenue yeah. and for dealing I mean, with... My, my real question, and I'm not asking you this because I don't have it fully fleshed out yet, is you know, why are we giving like tax-free status to groups that seem to support and seem to be fine with child molestation? I mean, this, this, you know, we, we have lots of church groups, there's lots of research, and it's like all those people have tax-free everything. Mm-hmm. That just really grates me the wrong direction. Well, I mean, so if you're an organization that has a documented problem with uh, child rape and covering that up and, you know, you've been spotted like moving rapists around so that, you know, your organization Yeah, let's doesn't move them to, to South America because yeah. they don't care down there. And... I mean, should you continue to have your nonprofit status? You know, and, and, while you're at the same time, you're trying to engage in political activity and have the Johnson Amendment revoked and all of that kind of stuff. That's, but that's beside the point. The child rapist stuff seems to be an issue, for, at least for me. Yeah, and, and there certainly is well beyond the preponderance of proof that says that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think that I, I like that idea, Alexis. I well, think and it's that, really simple because it pretty much solved the city of Houston's... Uh, Cash crisis. crisis. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, yes. I mean, I mean, you so know, it's churches. one of the big holes in uh, property tax laws and sales tax and now, all that. Wasn't now? I might be talking out of my ass a little bit, but wasn't uh, the the what was it? The first or second Baptist church? Ed Young and, Second Baptist Ed Church Young was the Chronicle just did a piece on this. Three piece. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, three pieces of and, in and, depth, and it's in like, depth. but. Those people get so many public benefits. It's it's like wait a minute, and and they, and if you look at their response, they don't really care. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, it's, it's the sort of, response is we are each church is individual in the Baptist ministries, yeah. and so and, we can't have an overarching uh, uh, document that that that, helps, that, that, that says, protects kids. Yeah. Uh, so each each church can do whatever they want. So there, there's no, uh, you know. Right. And Ed Young's response essentially was, uh, we're looking into it or we're going to look into it. or something. And it's sort of like, wait, wait, wait. No, that put, doesn't cut put it. Put their nonprofit status on the line. Let's see how fast it gets cleaned up. Mm-hmm. I think it would be pretty mm-hmm. fast. That'd be my guess. <laughs> you know? and, and, you know, I'm not talking about like one rogue person. These are hundreds and hundreds of people yes, in their exactly. And okay. I, I and again, I find it interesting that they're the first people to jump out and say, "Oh, those trans people! That's, you got to watch out everyone. for them. They're going to get you." 
That's what always seems to be. The, the, the people who fight us the hardest are always, the, their groups are usually <laughs> the ones that are the ones that are causing the most problem. Mm, we were yep. talking at the, I was at a caucus meeting last night mm. and, um, you know, they said, if you can tell me how many trans people were arrested uh, for molesting children in a bathroom over the last five years and put that next to the number of the number of priests that have been uh, Hell, arrested priests, for molesting children. Let, let's just say or Republican uh, Trumpophiles, <laughs> you know? My God. But it, the, yeah. the hypocrisy is not lost on me uh, in, yeah. that, mm. in that situation, and it's infuriating that people that have been attacking our community for years and years and years... Well. And, you know, currently, you know, we have drag queen story time, which is some mm. drag queens mm-hmm. reading stories to kids that are brought by their parents to basically yeah. it's a literacy class. It's a literacy class and a book drive, yeah. you know, and it's so, like a theatrical performance. Yes, as exactly. well. like, you that's, know, it's, that's, that's what it is. And so then we have this group of people who show up at city council and are supported by certainly one council member uh, that. You know, want it all stop. Yeah, Kubash. And they want it all stop. They, you know, they they do nothing but spew lies and hate and those sorts of things. And then they show up doing things like telling their people to open carry and bring weapons with them to the protest. I mean, to me, that's way out of line. And we're talking Mm -hmm. about kids here. Yeah. Fortunately, these are just rogue people that live out in the hinterlands of well, the you know these aren't people that live in the city of houston no, most these of, are people that live outside the city that trek into town with their guns to come and scare little children and, and this like, isn't you know our community you know people from our neighborhoods right. that are doing this right. no i was gonna say because one of the one of the people that essentially went in costume so they could take their kid in and film all the other kids is from Corpus Christi. Yeah. 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 And, and I'm like, it's nowhere near here. Wow. It's like that Web- yeah. Westboro Baptist Church that exactly. just goes around the country protesting yeah. whatever mm-hmm. they feel yeah, like. Yeah, with, with the so. Unity Banquet that we run every year, we actually invited them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They yeah, were going to protest on, us, and we're down. like, we'll, you know, we'll, come on yeah, down. Come on. You know, if you want to buy a sponsorship, we'll even let you talk. <laughs> but it's frustrating that this, you know, that that this is happening because I, I think the vast majority of people support stuff like drag queen story time and Mm -hmm. it is a literacy thing and it is Mm -hmm. you know a performance just to help kids and the fact that you know there's 10 people that are extremely loud and hateful and horrible that puts a whole bad and a lot of them are seen you know uh, protesting Planned Parenthood so they just sort of do this for a living they do this on the side you know you're mm -hmm. right one one of the big things is they get a lot of uh, time with city council and you know it's a public space and right. they, they come in and do that and then if you ever want a good show go watch oh, go yes. watch public session down at <laughs> oh, yeah. it, it, it's yeah. interesting and and you know and, and most of the city council members are pretty much like yep you have a right to speak speak except for one and you know he's very supportive and every time he talks about the you know he just wants to protect the little children I, I sort of cringe. Well, I think yeah. he sounds really weird this, when he talks about it. Too. <laughs> uh-huh. I think this uh-huh. is an important point that, you know, th- what's that famous line? If you don't have a seat at the table, you're on the menu. Well, mm-hmm. right now <laughs> we're on the menu. And we, when I was there working at City Hall, we had some real champions in our mm-hmm. community that would that would never see the light of day. The comments that are right. coming out at council, right. they would get taken care of behind the right. scenes. Um, and I think that's kind of one of the reasons that I'm running too, is to kind of, you know, cut this off before it even gets out there in public. Well, I do do have to say like, also no, it wouldn't because I watched hours of hero go on and on. So, I mean, 
I, I've I've watched plenty no, of. No, what I mean is the elected officials saying, you know, there there I've wasn't a lot of. I've watched a lot of them be really good friends with Monica Roberts and then turn around and say, I can't in good conscience vote for this because yeah. I've talked oh, to my yeah. preachers, yeah. like mm-hmm. you know. I, I mean, but I get the point that you yeah. had mentors. I well, appreciate the people well, who came before you. If there's if there's 100%. a lack of a, if there's a lack of a voice, then they're definitely going to be against right. you. At mm-hmm. least you yeah. can say this For is sure. me, um, and For you sure. can have them look you in the eye. And, and absolutely, then, yeah, you really can. can. I mean, and, and I will give the mayor credit. That. The mayor has uh, let it be known that he doesn't like. The support that some that a certain council member is giving them. Oh, right. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, because he's fucking lying. Well, yeah. yeah. And, He'll and get he, up there. He and, does and, call and him lying. out for lying. He does and, call him out for yeah. lying, and he he does request that he doesn't do that. You know. Um. And I think his statement was, "I'm not going to let you do that." Yeah. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was, it's great. I loved it. Like that's what a mirror should do. Yeah. So I would like to take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, we have a little piece of history that I want to share oh, with you. Cool. If you're trans, intersex, or genderqueer, and are a victim of a disaster, we can help with our Trans Disaster Relief Fund. And if you're going to college, university, or trade school, you can apply for one of our scholarships. Located in Houston, Texas, we hold weekly support group meetings and run the only community-owned transgender archive that's open to the public. If you'd like to learn more about any of this, just go to transadvocate.com. Hey folks, we're back. And so, what the hell do you have over there? I have mail from the special delivery. We have mail? I have mail! Uh, you have to give us special sound effects. I don't so know what that was supposed to be. We have I something for the archives. Sound. I don't know why. We get stuff all the time for the archives. Sometimes people send us stuff for our archives, and sometimes we acquire stuff that should be in our archives. That's this right. is for the transgender archives. Do we know which one it is this time? Did someone send this to us, or did we acquire it? Oh, no. I, I found it and went, oh, that's interesting, and okay. decided to get it. So we have a flat envelope, and I'm opening it up, and hopefully I don't destroy a piece of history while I'm doing it. <laughs> that's uh, right. Well, we, oh, we, we, we've had times where we're opening up. Yeah. Some Wait. of these things come in very fragile packages and do not open, and ooh. Well, we've heard of this person before. This uh, envelope says... Hetty Joe Star. Mm. So, so, so yeah, we have some uh, some. <gasps> we have some what a costume yeah, from Hetty Joe Star yep, and a have... couple of things from her. Uh, yeah, so, so before so Hedy, there was. Hedy, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. no Hetty Joe Star was essentially a drag performer, drag queen, also a transgender person, and in fact, is the first person who had a transition surgery in the United States. Yeah, well, first documented, yeah. Now. In the United States. In the United so, States. I mean, ish, ish. Like, what do you mean, uh, ish? Okay, so, she got around? So that what, there were trans people getting operations in the United States in the 1800s, okay. but we're not supposed to know that because okay. that's not a part okay. of the official story. Okay. Right. Yeah, the right. official story is that there, can there was only Heidi be Jo Starr, and then there was Christine Jorgensen, and that's it. That's and that's it. where Absolutely all trans it. stuff came from. Well, but Christine then, therefore, Jorgen- all women should be like her forever and ever. Now, Christine Jorgensen did not have have her surgery in the U.S. That's correct. And Hedy Joe Starr did. Uh-huh. Now, the other thing was that Hedy Joe Starr, for a very, 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 very long time, had a business in New Orleans on Bourbon Street. It was uh-huh. on a corner. I forget the cross street. Uh-huh. Uh, it was very lavish because it was one of the <laughs> best drag shows around, to say the least. Uh-huh. Don't tell yes. Bianca Del Rio This that. looks amazing. Uh, this trust looks me. Amazing. The, the, 
no one would argue and anyone that knows anything about drag would not argue with Hetty Joe Stars being longevity number one. I mean, I have no idea how old Hetty Joe Star was when she stopped performing, but I know I've been there over almost a fifty year span. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is unbelievable. This... And and she she had this uh label. She would make uh, costuming and clothing for like the uh, Las Vegas shows and rock performers and all kinds of stuff. She would make very highly, you know, I, I would say drag inspired. Oh yeah, uh, yep, yep, clothing yep. that made its way into uh, mainstream culture through dancing and uh, you know uh, rhinestones on cowboy stuff and. <laughs> Uh, you know, all of that kind of stuff. That's that was her, um, you know, her style. So these are what looks to be those are ads out of magazines. I, you know, yeah. have, have, have seen those many times over the years. Yes. Exactly so that if same ad. You wanted ad. to know where to go. It's an uh, an ad, and this particular show was uh, um, in Jackson, Ohio. Off of St. Clair Street at the Town Hall Burlesque. This, was, this one's this one's stamped Toledo, Ohio. So uh-huh. that must have been that Ohio leg of the tour. All ladies, half price Wednesday. I love it. It was a midnight show. All these queens in their midnight shows. Well, you know why? No, the guys got to sneak out. No. Like, what's going on? No, it takes that long to get ready. Oh. <laughs> I mean, you know that. I do know that. I mean, all those 10 o'clock shows never start at 10 o'clock. I don't care what a flyer says. No queens going on at 10. Exactly. And, and, you know, the 7 or 8 o'clock shows, yeah, give me a break. Those must be the new girls. Uh, No, or the leftover girls. I don't know. (laughs) Ain't nobody coming to that show. They're the ones that are still from the the night before. Especially in New Orleans. Exactly. Exactly, right? Yeah. Some of these, yeah. So it says, live on stage now, unbelievable, the men who became a woman. (laughs) (laughs) Hetty Joe Star, 42, 26, 38, just in case you were wondering. (laughs) In her red hot sexotic act. (laughs) You've seen her on television. You've read her weekly column. You may have read her book. Now Mm -hmm. see her in the flesh. (laughs) Plus, another great star. Look at her, like, sharing Mm -hmm. her platform. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Miss Baby Doll. (laughs) With an all-new cast of lovelies and funsters. Funsters. I I love it how there's always a new cast. Like, (laughs) we got rid of the other girls. They didn't cut it. Come on back. (laughs) This is great. How many drag queens do you think have been billed as baby doll? Oh, Lord. Either that or that one's gotten around an awful lot. So how many years, Robin, did Uh you produce a a drag troupe? Ten years in Houston. Ten years. The Houston Gendermen. And uh, it, it was started basically by a year and a half before I came on. And then some of the original uh, creators of it needed to move on in life, uh, live their life, get surgeries, have kids, go to school, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Houston at that time, it was very rare to work with the queens. There were kings right. and betweens, but not a lot of queen interact- interactions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And some of that was uh, survival politics. Like you had to keep a certain amount of stage time to make your rent. 
uh, and but, for the it. queens. And then the kings weren't necessarily like the ones you see now. They weren't trying to make rent off of their performances. It might have been more of a social justice piece or a mm-hmm. variety show uh, mm-hmm. for inclusion and fun and community interaction, not necessarily to uh, be the solo Hollywood big shot mm-hmm. king uh, in the version of like the RuPaul's Drag Race sort mm-hmm. of you are the one no we ran troops so uh, it's great to see this history surely there were mask identified women uh, but I don't really know if they were in these spaces I don't really know if they were included in the shows I mean maybe if they did duets well I do know uh, that a lot of the the shows um, in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, did have transmasculine uh, folks, folks who lived full-time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I think we had, the last history thing we did, we had something from Club, what was it, Club 50? 82? Club 82. Yeah. And uh, whenever you open it up, there are, several people there okay. that are very much transmasculine. Okay. Um, yeah. And uh, you you were talking about Louisiana. There was a club, My Oh My, in yep. uh, Louisiana, and they had a couple of kings there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it was a few years ago, talking about New Orleans, I know uh, it was actually New Orleans and Austin that helped get Houston off the ground. Mm. At first, we didn't have enough performers to host a big show and when i say show there were 18 numbers there was an intermission like it was it was it was a big deal Mm -hmm. which takes a lot of people and um austin and new orleans came in and they had quite a following and people actually traveled in to see it it was awesome to work together and then uh new orleans sort of had a split in troops and then they had a Rita, Katrina, disasters, that sort of thing. And they've always done um, decadence, you know, this sort of uh, gay. I've heard of it. It's a, yes, it's, <laughs> it's, it was mainly gay males getting together, having like sort of a conference, a fuck fest, a celebration, that sort of Splash thing. Splash day. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome connection, right? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, they did a spinoff during the same conference for decadence, and so some of the oh, performers would phrase. be doing that, and it would they would um, co collaborate with uh, uh, burlesque artists and actually headliner uh, queens to <coughs> MC do some of their own numbers that were sort of coming off of the RuPaul's uh, show, and they still continue to do some of that stuff. And in Texas, burlesque has really grown. Neolesque has really grown. So they all kind of work together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and my yeah. first, I, I think the first time uh, that I saw a King show was uh, y'all were doing um, a show for one of the trans men for uh, top surgery uh, to help fund top surgery. Um, mm-hmm. We did a was... few top surgery fundraisers. Oh yeah, this was where was it? Um, Probably. I'm trying to remember the usual. It... No, it wasn't. <laughs> I, I went to one of there, them at there the were usual, a few. but this yeah. was like. Uh, um, was this club... at Eden in Clear Lake? It... No, no. Was it I went Lance? to one of those there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, girl, <laughs> you don't uh, always know your audience no, members, was, especially was, when they're in the uh, dark. Like kind of across <laughs> from U of H downtown. Uh, U of H. Okay. It was kind of. Yes. They had a mm-hmm. big stage. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, not yeah. too old. Like yeah. a massive stage. Uh, 
No, not not Sua. Okay, oh, the U of H downtown. Yeah. Well, not Sua wouldn't the have U a massive a, stage. So kind of we across the street, there. it was like. Club 21 or something like Club that. Club 2020? 2020. That's we have what definitely it was. performed there. Yes, 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 yes. yes <laughs> I get around. Uh, <laughs> and in fact, I was doing a talk on the, uh, with the gender book last night at uh, U of H Clear Lake, and it was in the same building that I performed in. So I was like, mm. some of that was for their like gay straight alliance, and some of it was with the royal court. And and uh, I just remember we put together this number, and the DJ couldn't play the music right. It wasn't working with the sound system. Shocker just like every fucking yeah. show right and so <laughs> this wasn't our dj but he takes it upon himself to say dj's pick and i was like oh no 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 but they do they well. do those things now you know and and they do um some of the things that they do now uh we were kind of doing we were starting to do and then it's it's neat to see where spinoffs have happened uh mm-hmm. so yeah so that's that's a a bit of are there still shows going on in the Houston area these days? There are. Uh, there are the Houston Kings. They perform at the uh, pretty much the le- the only lesbian club that's opened off of Washington. Um, Pearl Bar. Pearl. The yeah. Pearl Bar, right? <laughs> Julia Mabry has done a great job of keeping that place open and and uh, they perform there. And then there is uh, uh, Fear the Queer that is uh, more of a sort of all things, anything goes uh, gaggle of queers. And, <laughs> and, and it's uh, not a herd it, of queers. It's a gaggle. It's a gaggle. If this doesn't sound scary to you, you should rethink it's the way you're feeling. <laughs> very radical, very uh, awesome, uh, you know, uh, bunking any norms that you would know mm-hmm. very experimental mm-hmm. that sort of thing probably getting more into like maybe the life performance art experimental performance art um and then there is a a few burlesque troops that incorporate uh kings or uh cis males that are very theatrical like they mm-hmm. they can gender bend on stage those they'll, they'll oftentimes do uh like uh, the guys dress as women, the women dress as guys, and they do like a funny uh, competition. But it's actually really well done. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not something that the 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 great thing that I love about the art these days is nobody's insulting one another. Yeah. Back when I was performing, um, I haven't per- uh, the last show I did was the international um, drag show in Austin in its second year, and um, so it's a little bit ago. But one of the things that I love that's refreshing is that no one's making fun of anyone in their own community it used to be really insulting to go uh to some of these places like we would get asked to do a fundraiser at jr's and Mm -hmm. uh some of the queens that are still employed and i wish them well were really degrading and we Mm. would be asked to take Mm. our own time you know come in and raise money for the employees that work in our community and then be degraded on the mic there's a uh, great oh, comedian fuck. from New Zealand that just had. Can you do you remember Hannah? Her? Yes, and uh, she's on. She's going. They're going on tour. Yeah, and she stopped in the middle of it yeah. and said, "You know, I used to make fun of myself for being right. fat and for being a lesbian. Yeah. And that was comedy, and you right. know, I apologize to right. myself and to everyone else. Yeah, well, I can so get I, in, like, I can get into some of the you're not enough ish inside yeah. conversations mm-hmm. that we have and and the the. Uh, mm, 
I can take you home, but I'm not going to respect you <laughs> yeah. sort of behaviors yeah. that we have. But, uh, but I appreciate but, that. But I'm glad that on that the way. mic and, and, and audience participation has really changed. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. some, some of the RuPaulness has added itself to that. Some of the social justice-ness has added itself to that. And then you have uh, pageantry that really kind of took over, honestly, because they had way more structure than uh, International Drag King Extravaganza did or... Uh, freak show go-go did and you know this was something that people could win something and there's a lot of that type a mentality of like ooh, i want a sash that like yeah. happens yeah but uh, you know but, but we also like you know have the folks that work at hamburger mary's regularly yes we have and guava that lamp also. and mm-hmm. miller you know i mean right. there's a bunch of places that are sort of regular yep. and they have groups of of mm-hmm. drag performers i that started that paying for college bartending at Guava Lamp. So I have wow. been through many a shows at Guava. Yeah. Well, there was one queen, Lana Blake, who will oh. forever have like a special place in my heart because she I took the her. time to find new talent, like took yeah. the time to find something the audience hadn't seen and include them in a non-degrading way and incorporate them. And then other queens started doing that uh, and, to some extent. Well, it's important to pass on the knowledge and the, you know, as well. So it's not just finding people, but also helping them. You know, here's what we've done. Well, like here's where sharing we've been. stage space is important yeah. when you're, when your gay communities are being shut down. Yeah. And, and a lot of times we would perform in the theater and not necessarily bar space because theater space can oftentimes be more sober. It can respect the things that you do, that sort of thing. Uh, but when our gay clubs were actually sh- uh, closing down, mm-hmm. you know, again, sharing space with mm-hmm. other people when you're mm-hmm. not making that tip money or whatever can be really tough and uh, crucial. Like, and you'll only get, like, one number versus four numbers. Like, it you, makes a difference. Do you know who uh, Jackie Thorne is? Mm-hmm. I know. Royal yeah, Court. You, you I, the Royal Court has always been supportive of Kings. So I want to say that back in the 80s, uh, so I have this uh, amazing interview, this oral history uh-huh. that I did with Jackie several years ago. She came into the center, the trans center, and sat down and kind of told me her story. Because mm-hmm. I'd never heard Jackie's story. And uh-huh. for those of you that know, that are in Houston and are part of the queer community, you've probably at some point run into... Uh, Jackie and uh, the Royal Court. Exactly. And um, so Jackie, back in the 80s, saw that that, uh, the queer community here was being decimated by HIV and uh, organized one of the first uh, fundraisers Mm -hmm. to support uh, HIV Mm -hmm. prevention and treatment. Um, and And it was through that medium of drag mm-hmm. now jackie identifies as a heterosexual cis guy and uh you know so jackie got involved uh you know in, in with the court to be able to support this effort and in the process like was ostracized from his family you know just went yeah, through hell sure. being you know supportive of uh in this way because it was just very very passionate about supporting uh-huh. the the community effort to address hiv mm-hmm. because uh there just really wasn't much support mm-hmm. you know uh and a lot of the uh medical institutions were faith-based and so a lot of these places just you know really wasn't they weren't very interested in working with uh hiv positive patients and so uh, at the time, that money was 
desperately needed. Mm-hmm. This was way before Ryan White. Mm-hmm. This was way before uh, congressional money mm-hmm. or any of those things that we have today. Yeah. This was the community coming together mm-hmm. to raise money mm-hmm. to support its own health care mm-hmm. because everyone was of the opinion that, yeah, yeah fuck it. You know, what? Yeah. At, at the time we had a mayoral candidate that said on television on a hot mic that the way to deal with HIV is to kill the queers. The economy, crime, the old versus the new, those issues will all be factors in Tuesday's municipal elections in Houston. But in a city that has one of the biggest gay populations in the country, the real controversy has come from the candidates' views on gay rights and one off-the-cuff remark. Carlos Aguilar reports. It's a Texas political shootout with a retired gunslinger, Welch, coming back to run the young upstart Whitmire out of town. But it's Whitmire's support of a gay rights referendum last January that prompted the good old boys to challenge the incumbents and bring back their man. Do we want to be another queer city like San Francisco? Or do we want to be the kind of city we love? Welch's supporters helped defeat the gay referendum, and the victory spawned a new political group, the Straight Slate which is running city council hopefuls under its banner. Welch, who has made morality his cornerstone issue, was recently criticized for shooting from the lip. Before a live television news interview, he was heard saying, off-camera but on the air, that the way to solve Houston's AIDS problem was to, quote, shoot the queers. Right, shoot the queers. The shoot royal the court, like, is I think is that awesome. spawned the T-shirt, Louis, don't shoot. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, mm-hmm. every major city, from from what I know, usually has, and it depends on like sort of the how many people have it to keep it going, but has a royal court, and mm-hmm. the royal court has always been supportive of of kings and queens and tweens and and everything um in the broader transgender community mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. I mean, oh they're, absolutely they're and they totally... raise thousands of dollars they give them to uh charities and a lot of that's out of their own pocket their own time absolutely. their own money all the time at bars and uh oftentimes they would want us to come and perform with them when we did and join them but but also a lot of the major cities had troops. And so like mm-hmm. I wanted to have a space for both of them. But we, we definitely supported one another. When we couldn't do something like hold a major conference, they uh, said that they would help us. Uh, when we were having inner uh, troop conflict, uh, I know that shocks a lot of people. But, uh, you know, we brought, in, we brought in people to talk to us about it, about like how to get over yourself, mm-hmm. you know, um, how to be when – when things are getting uh, heated in politics, like mm-hmm. that, they were performing in a time where people would come down and literally smear the queer and literally, yeah. like, you Pers- know, per- perspective mm-hmm. on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, one You're... of my like dear mentors, uh, I'm not going to say their name because I don't have a right to share their story, but you know, was literally raped on the way to the club to perform. And so, like, and you get up and you go anyway was 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 what was was the way that they were taught was the way that they came together as a community and like if they don't have it's it's not the glam that we see on tv it was mm-hmm. very much mm-hmm. sharing dresses sharing wigs sharing makeup helping you out that sort of thing they do really fun things like dyke to diva like they'll pick a dyke in the crowd and then transform <laughs> her transform her to a diva you know i love that and and then or and like vice versa right and then they'd come up with really fun things and and actually, the first show I met Lana at was a show that the Royal Court had done before her show. Uh, uh, one of the king, uh, 
one of the male uh, performers of the Royal Court was doing a fundraiser f for the girls for people to get their wellness, uh, well woman exams and mm -hmm. stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. literally, they supply people with wellness mm -hmm. and they keep places open. And one of the things that they did that they were quite proud of semi-recently was getting the uh, Harvey Milk image on one of our governmental stamps. Hmm. So they have a large following. Mm -hmm. uh, the National Task Force had one of their, like, I don't know, main queens just do this, like, <laughs> knockdown speech of, like, you know, she said, seat at the table, we built your fucking <laughs> <laughs> Remember who the heel came off of, honey. I like that. That's good. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, one of the big things is that an awful lot of this stuff, I mean, I always laugh because every time we get something for the Transgender Archive or when we're going through cataloging, something comes up and they always have stories that, that we all know or the other people there know. We, we, always, we laugh because when we're working on archive stuff, we've stopped call, calling them like work sessions. They're, they're just parties because that's what they turn into. <laughs> it's so fun. I mean, and, and, and we actually work with other uh, archivists like J.D. Doyle. Yeah. Uh, I remember I was he called me because he puts together music archives and he... <laughs> shockingly uh, at the time fell short of having drag kings that sing their own music like <laughs> we weren't doing that so, <laughs> so he wanted to uh, interview me as the producer the gentleman and I'm like sitting there eating Captain Crunch while I'm talking to him <laughs> and like, you know we just include everyone so they keep moving here and we perform with them they're awesome we've got trans men we've got people who aren't going to transition and like at that time you know even then and around like, you know, 2010, if you were going to transition and start taking testosterone and you were female identified, uh, they would kick you out. They were like, well, oh, you, really? you no longer qualify. Like, <laughs> you know, you're using extra things, you know. Um, huh. We use certain things like uh, blinding and packing and whatnot, but we're not, like, doing any enhancements. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's unheard of in the queen world. But, like, you know, it's, it's interesting. So people who had a passion to perform would move here because they knew that we were inclusive. Oh, wow. And then people that were considering transitioning and not really sure about, you know, um, how they would appear – uh, as a masculine self or whatnot, but weren't necessarily wanting to take hormones, would you know come and be with us, and mm -hmm. maybe they would perform, maybe they wouldn't, and they would sort of try that on in an accepting environment, and then go, you know, that's not for me, or yeah. or <laughs> oh my god, this is everything I wanted. I'm gonna I'm gonna full throttle, you and, know. And, right, and, and you know, and, and that that's a lot of one of the yeah. things that I think is really funny. You know, we were in the unity banquet every year, and. We get comments constantly on how well it runs. Yes. Well, <laughs> it, it really doesn't run terribly well from our point of view frequently. We've but the got key high is, standards. And, an awful lot of the people that we have involved have performed for a long time. Yes. And they fully understand that the key is, you just keep going. Yes. <laughs> this is a don't live stop, show. It's a live yeah. show. If something messes up, you just keep going. And. The audience always figures that it was part of the plan. Yep. yep. And, and we have a way of making it look really natural. And, 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 a, and a few years ago, there was one that the run of show didn't show up. Right. And so we're starting the banquet, not Whoops. having a clue what we're doing. And the run yeah. of show showed up literally like 10 minutes before we're going to start talking. Uh -huh. And so I went through, edited it real quick, pulled one person who can't handle ad lib and yeah. swapped some things around. Every group and, has one of those. And we yeah. ad lib the entire night. Right. <laughs> it would Done. be get up. What Usually am I supposed me. to talk? Right. <laughs> Tell me yeah. what I'm supposed to talk about as I'm walking out with the mic, literally. Uh -huh. <laughs> and, and away we'd go. And then Robin yep. would be... <laughs> 
jogging from the front to the back. I made the mistake of telling the MC who was very underprepared by us. So I, but, I yeah, said, if, we had nothing if you prepare. need anything, just let me know. And and so I hear her say, Robin, at the top of the room while I'm outside of the room. And, like she's on the mic. And I'm sitting here thinking like, how is this going to work? <laughs> and so I immediately run in, literally, and I said, um, sorry, I was in the bathroom, and shocker, everything went okay. <laughs> and, like, everybody just, like, started laughing, <laughs> you know? And that, that was the whole night, and people kept asking how many times we had rehearsed this. Oh, no. <laughs> Our like, whole life. Rehearse? <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't even know what we were going to do. Our whole life. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, All right. So it, did, it do we have any uh, announcements or any upcoming events that people need to know about? How can people learn about you? Or, you well, know, if you would like to follow me on Facebook, mm-hmm. you can go to uh, facebook.com backslash Nick Hellier for Houston. And my last name is spelled H-E-L-L-Y-A-R. Um, and we've got all of our events and stuff and um, policy papers and stuff like that on Facebook. So that's probably the best way to follow us. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. Okay. And for TFAHouston.com, just uh, stay uh, updated through our updates. We've got some pride things coming up. And we are looking for more volunteers. If you're local and afar, we'll start posting things there. It might be a minute, but that's where you can follow us. And I also want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to our Patreon supporters at patreon.com slash transadvocate. You are the reason why this show goes. You are the reason why we have, uh, we are able to support server space uh, for this podcast and uh, have server space and to be able to support authors on the Trans Advocate, the Trans Advocate Brazil and the Trans Advocate UK. So thank you so much for uh, doing that, making that monthly donation of a dollar, ten dollars, a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars. We take it all. Thank you. And rumor has it, for those of you that keep asking when you can buy Unity Banquet tickets, that next week, towards the end of the week, we'll be opening up ticket sales. Dun, dun, dun. That's exciting. We yeah. sell out. You got to get in there. <laughs> like, it's, it's gone. Before. Yes. Yes. Ticket sales and sponsorships will be opening up. And hit. if you're going to do a sponsorship, I'd do it before July. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It'll be a little more affordable before July. We had the meeting last night. so. <laughs> All right, so thank you for tuning in yet again, and we will catch you next time. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Trans Advocate Podcast. We are a project of the Transgender Foundation of America, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Your support makes what we do possible. Resistance means nothing without supporting elected officials who won't attack trans, intersex, and queer children in our schools. They can't vote, so you're going to have to do it for them. If you live in the U.S. and are not registered to vote, we can help you with that at our site. Register and vote, no matter what. The Trans Advocate Podcast was produced by Kristen Williams. All rights reserved. The Trans Advocate is a project of the Transgender Foundation of America, a 501c3 nonprofit. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the Trans Advocate or the Transgender Foundation of America.
So, so are we going to do the whole podcast without starting, or do you want to start? <coughs> as soon as I stop having SARS. <coughs> <coughs> wow. Okay. So shake my hand. <laughs> Every, everybody's sick. We already did the pass the cold around for two weeks. Yeah. Right. That, you know, Kristen and I definitely got, and Robin was just sick for a while denying that she had a cold. I, I, I don't think I would. I don't think I did. See, I told you. <laughs> I definitely had allergies, so. But yeah, that yes, it's an allergy. Got it. Mm. Yeah, I don't think I did. Okay, I might have been ready? a carrier. <laughs>